0: section thirteen of europe and elsewhere by mark twain this librivox recording is in the public domain read by john greenman with help from eberhard schneider chapter eleven the cholera epidemic in hamburg eighteen ninety two i believe i have never been so badly situated before as i have been during these last four weeks to begin with The time hallowed and business-worn thunderbolt out of the clear sky fell about the 18th of August, people in Hamburg dying like flies of something resembling cholera. A normal death rate of 40 a day suddenly transformed into a terrific daily slaughter without notice to anybody to prepare for such a surprise. Certainly that was recognizable as that kind of a thunderbolt. It was at this point that the oddity of the situation above referred to began. For you will grant that it is odd to live four weeks, a twelve-hour journey from a devastating plague-nest, and remain baffled and defeated all that time in all your efforts to get at the state of the case there. Naturally one flies to the newspapers when a pestilence breaks out in his neighborhood. He feels sure of one thing, at any rate, that the paper will cast all other interests into the background and devote itself to the one supreme interest of the day that it will throw wide its columns and cram them with information, valuable and otherwise, concerning that great event, and that it will even leave out the idle jaunts of little dukes and kinglets to make room for the latest plague item. I sought the newspapers and was disappointed. I know now that— NOTHING THAT CAN HAPPEN IN THIS WORLD CAN STIR THE GERMAN DAILY JOURNAL OUT OF ITS ETERNAL LETHARGY. WHEN THE LAST DAY COMES IT WILL NOTE THE DESTRUCTION OF THE WORLD IN A THREE-LINE PARAGRAPH AND TURN OVER AND GO TO SLEEP AGAIN. THIS SORT OF JOURNALISM FURNISHES PLENTY OF WONDERS. I have seen ostensible telegrams from Hamburg four days old, gravely put forth as news, and no apology offered. I have tracked a news item from one paper to another day after day until it died of old age and fatigue, and yet everybody treated it with respect. Nobody laughed." Is it believable that these antiquities are forwarded by telegraph? It would be more rational to send them by slow freight, because less expensive and more speedy. Then the meagerness of the news meal is another marvel. That department of the paper is not headed poverty column, nobody knows why we know that multitudes of people are being swept away daily in hamburg yet the daily telegrams from there could be copied on a half page of notepaper as a rule if any newspaper has sent a special reporter thither he has not arrived yet the final miracle of all is the character of this daily dribble of so-called news. The wisest man in the world can get no information out of it. It is an Irish stew made up of unrelated odds and ends, a mere chaotic confusion and worthless. What can one make out of statistics like these? Up to noon, 655 cases, 333 deaths. Of these, 189 were previously reported. The report that 650 bodies are lying unburied is not true. There are only 340, and the most of these will be buried tonight." There are 2,062 cases in the hospitals, 215 deaths. The figures are never given in such a way as to afford one an opportunity to compare the death list of one day with that of another. Consequently, there is no way of finding out whether the pest abates or increases." sometimes a report uses the expression today and does not say when the day began or ended sometimes the deaths for several days are bunched together in a divisionless lump sometimes the figures make you think the deaths are five or six hundred a day while other figures in the same paragraph seem to indicate that the rate is below two hundred a day or two ago the word cholera was not discoverable at all in that day's issue of one of our principal dailies in today's issue of the same paper there is no cholera report from hamburg yet a private letter from there says the raging pestilence is actually increasing ONE MIGHT IMAGINE THAT THE PAPERS ARE FORBIDDEN TO PUBLISH CHOLERA NEWS. I HAD THAT IMPRESSION MYSELF. IT SEEMED THE ONLY EXPLANATION OF THE ABSENCE OF SPECIAL HAMBURG CORRESPONDENCE. BUT IT APPEARS NOW THAT THE HAMBURG PAPERS ARE CRAMMED WITH MATTER PERTAINING TO THE CHOLERA. THEREFORE THAT IDEA WAS AN ERROR. How does one find this out? In this amazing way, that a daily newspaper located ten or twelve hours from Hamburg describes with owl-eyed wonder the stirring contents of a Hamburg daily journal six days old, and yet gets from it the only informing matter, the only matter worth reading, which it has yet published from that smitten city concerning the pestilence. You see, it did not even occur to that petrified editor to bale his columns dry of their customary chloroform and copy that Hamburg journal entire. He is so used to shoveling gravel that he doesn't know a diamond when he sees it. I would trust that man with untold bushels of precious news and nobody to watch him. Among other things which he notes in the Hamburg paper is the fact that its supplements contained one hundred of the customary, elaborate, and formal German death notices. That means, what nobody has had reason to suppose before, that the slaughter is not confined to the poor and friendless i think so because that sort of death notice occupies a formidable amount of space in an advertising page and must cost a good deal of money i wander from my proper subject to observe that one hundred of these notices in a single journal must make that journal a sorrow to the eye and a shock to the taste, even among the Germans themselves, who are bred to endure and perhaps enjoy a style of display ads which far surpasses even the vilest American attempts for insane and outrageous ugliness. Sometimes a death notice is as large as a foolscap page, has big black display lines, and is bordered all around with a coarse mourning border as thick as your finger. The notices are of all sizes, from foolscap down to a humble two-inch square, and they suggest lamentation of all degrees, from the hundred-dollar hurricane of grief to the two-shilling sigh of a composed and modest regret a newspaper page blocked out with mourning compartments of fifty different sizes flung together without regard to order or system or size must be a spectacle to see Todesanzeige. Teilnehmenden Freunden und Bekannten hierdurch die schmerzliche Nachricht, dass mein lieber Freund und langjähriger treuer Mitarbeiter Rudolf Beck gestern Abend an einem Herzschlag plötzlich verschieden ist. Langen, den 5. September 1892. Otto Steingötter, Firma Beck und Steingötter. Die Beerdigung findet Dienstag, den 6. September, nachmittags, dreieinhalb Uhr, statt. 25.958 The notice copied above is modest and straightforward. The advertiser informs sympathizing friends and acquaintances that his dear friend and old and faithful fellow laborer has been suddenly smitten with death then signs his name and adds of the firm of beck and steingetter which is perhaps another way of saying that the business will be continued as usual at the old stand the average notice is often refreshed with a whiff of business at the end the one hundred formal notices in the hamburg paper did not mean merely one hundred deaths each told of one death but many of them told of more in some cases they told of four and five in the same issue there were one hundred and thirty two one line death notices if the dates of these deaths were all stated the two hundred and thirty-two notices together could be made the basis of a better guess at the current mortality in hamburg than the official reports furnished perhaps you would know that a certain number died on a certain day who left behind them people able to publish the fact and pay for it then You could correctly assume that the vast bulk of that day's harvest were people who were penniless and left penniless friends behind. You could add your facts to your assumption and get some sort of idea of the death rate, and this would be strikingly better than the official reports, since they give you no idea at all TODAY A PHYSICIAN WAS SPEAKING OF A PRIVATE LETTER RECEIVED HERE YESTERDAY FROM A PHYSICIAN IN HAMBURG WHICH STATED THAT EVERY DAY NUMBERS OF POOR PEOPLE ARE SNATCHED FROM THEIR HOMES TO THE PEST HOUSES, AND THAT THAT IS THE LAST THAT IS HEARD OF A GOOD MANY OF THEM. NO INTELLIGIBLE RECORD IS KEPT. THEY DIE UNKNOWN and are buried so that no intelligible record is kept seems proven by the fact that the public cannot get hold of a burial list for one day that is not made impossible by the record of the day preceding and the one following it what i am trying to make the reader understand is the strangeness of the situation here, a mighty tragedy being played upon a stage that is close to us, and yet we are as ignorant of its details as we should be if the stage were in China. We sit in front, and the audience is, in fact, the world. But the curtain is down, and from behind it we hear only an inarticulate murmur the hamburg disaster must go into history as the disaster without a history and yet a well-trained newspaper staff would find a way to secure an accurate list of the new hospital cases and the burials daily and would do it and not take it out in complaining of the foolishness and futility of the official reports every day we know exactly what is going on in the two cholera stricken ships in the harbor of new york that is all the cholera news we get that is worth printing or believing all along we have heard rumors that the force of workers at hamburg was too small to cope with the pestilence, that more help was impossible to get. And we have seen statements which confirmed these sorrowful facts, statements which furnished the pitiful spectacle of brave workers dying at their posts from exhaustion, of corpses lying in the halls of the hospitals, waiting there because there was no worker idle. And now comes another confirmatory item. It is in the physician's letter above referred to, an item which shows you how hard-pressed the authorities are by their colossal burden, an item which gives you a sudden and terrific sense of the situation there, for in a line. It flashes before you this ghastly picture a thing seen by the physician a wagon going along the street with five sick people in it, and with them four corpses. End of chapter 11. The Cholera Epidemic in Hamburg, read by John Greenman, with help from Eberhard Schneider.